Trek Geeks is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles, with over 200 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com just for Trek Geeks listeners. Fansets. Our pins. A character. Hi, this is Nana Visitor, Major Kira Norris from Deep Space Nine, and you are listening to the biggest little show this side of the Gamma Quadrant, the Trek Geeks Podcast with Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. unknown planet in the delta quadrant where there's a lot of lizard babies crawling around it's the wow there they were it's the biggest little show this side of the alpha quadrant and the flagship of the trek geeks podcast network greetings ladies gentlemen children of all ages and welcome to the children welcome to the children no welcome to the trek geeks podcast i'm podcast i'm stuck on lizard babies and i can't talk now i'm i'm just i'm beside myself i don't know what's going on my co-host is taking great pleasure in the fact that uh, that I'm stumbling all over everything. But uh, we'll talk about him in just a minute. Welcome to episode number 210. We're going to talk about a um, an episode of Voyager that isn't necessarily among its greatest, kind of like my co-host. He finds new ways to lower the bar all the time. He's the uh, largely uh, charitable case, Dan Davidson. Dan, uh, thanks for showing up, I think. Lowering the bar could be a good thing if you're like, uh, I don't know, a limbo dancer. Um, you're supposed to raise the bar, make it easier to get under. Yeah, but but if you're a good limbo dancer, then you can lower it. And anyway, hi, episode 210. I've seen you walk. You, you can't limbo. <laughs> no, I can't. I can barely walk a straight line even when I'm sober. It's good to be here, man. How are you? When's the last time you were sober? <laughs> Okay, it's do- I'm doing great. <laughs> I'm doing great, buddy. We're uh, we're going to talk about uh, a topic that um, we don't normally talk about. We decided that there are some episodes of Star Trek that are not necessarily universally loved. Is that a fair statement? Unfortunately, and so we've we're going to take a look at some of these episodes in a different way, and it's something we're calling embracing the suck. It's uh, finding a reason to love the thing that we like the least. Um, so that we become more comfortable with it, that we actually like it. And today we're going to do that with one of Voyager's um, suckiest. <laughs> Before we do that, let's do that with co-host Bill. I'm just kidding. You don't. Just kidding. You're the best, pal. I know. I get, uh, you, you are. I know. I'm, I'm the one that has that. You're the one that has to embrace the suck when it comes to every oh, damn day. Absolutely. But yes, we are going to. Uh, Embrace the suck, so to speak, with a with an episode that is usually panned by a lot of people, and that is Voyager, season two. Whew. Threshold. I said it. Oh, there we go. 
Last week, we talked about one of Voyager's best in Blink of an Eye. We figured, well, what way to bookend that than to talk about one of the worst. But I think that we're going to have a great discussion today because I think that we've both approached this episode with fresh eyes. Yeah, we really did. Um, you are a Voyager completist recently, and you have talked about your dislike for this. And I have, have had a new appreciation for Voyager over the past few years. So I went into it much along move along home lines, stuff like that, with a, with a fresh set of eyes to get a better appreciation for it. And I was surprised uh, when I watched it just the other day about uh, how I felt about it. So I'm looking forward to talking about the things that I liked, uh, the things that I continue to dislike. And um, I don't know. You could just, you know, speak in a whole different tongue and we might be able to figure out what's going on. Would that be Tom Paris's tongue? Tom Paris's tongue right on the bio band. <laughs> That's going to be the name of my new band, Tom <laughs> Paris's tongue. Uh, in the meantime, how, Dan, how might people send us their new band names based on Threshold? Band names are fun. Uh, yes, if you're looking to get in touch with us, you can head on over to trekgeeks.com slash contact, and there you will find a plethora of ways to communicate with your two favorite geeks. Let's see now. There's Skype chat. There's email, there's voicemail via that big blue button using SpeakPipe. Whatever way you want to contact us, just make it so because we love hearing from you. Plus, there's also the most positive Star Trek group on Facebook, Camp Kittimer. It's our official group, and it's where over 1,600 other friends gather to talk all things Trek. It's always positive, and there's never any bashing or gatekeeping allowed. To join the group, head on over to facebook.com slash groups slash Camp Kittimer and be ready to be part of a truly wonderful social experience. And as always, we want to thank our amazing admins, Haley, Jackie, Sarah, and Dan, for the wonderful job they do running the camp. And two things. First of all, Bill, please remember that any comments or messages that you leave us in any of these places may be used in a future episode. And number two, I got through that whole thing without a single mistake, baby. Wow. I am a happy man. I'm sorry. Did you say something? <laughs> Can't take it away from me, man. It's on. Rec- it's on recorded. It's on recorded. Yeah, see, I did screw it up. Dan, it's time for the news from TrekNews.net. What the? No, what's this? <laughs> Sorry, it's my Bill Belichick impersonation. Here we oh. go. Spanning the Alpha Quadrant. <laughs> For all the news on all the Star Trek show. <laughs> it's treknews.net. <laughs> no, I didn't. What the? You sounded like you, you were passing out. That was a little bit. I was very excited. If you'd stop drinking straight vodka, you wouldn't have much problem. <laughs> Online at treknews.net. Dan, lots of news to talk about this week. And first up, it looks like some sincere congratulations are in order for one of our favorite Discovery actors. Yeah, absolutely. As we prepare for season three of Discovery, Bill, I guess it's a good thing that filming has actually wrapped because a certain crew member will soon have a baby bump uh, that the crew would have to hide. So, you know, like jackets like with uh, Gates McFadden back in the day. Yes, Sonequa Martin-Green, with help from her husband, Kendrick Green, and their son, recently posted on her Instagram account that, that she is pregnant and expecting a baby girl. The adorable photo also had the following, quote, adding another passenger to the green train 
All aboard, little lady. This train is fueled by love, and we're already overflowing with it for you, end quote. So that is just awesome news, uh, and both you and I do certainly congratulate the Green family for their upcoming new addition. Well, I can tell you in the photo, she's already got quite the baby bump. So yes. it makes me wonder if they were hiding it in the last couple of uh, months of filming Discovery. Yeah, good point. Maybe there were a lot of close-ups. <laughs> yes. Just saying. And, you know, it was a, such a wonderful picture of the family. The one thing we got to change, and I brought this up on Weekly Trek, on which I was a guest this past week over at the Tricorder Transmissions, um, we got to get that kid some Star Trek pajamas. Right. Star Wars, I get it. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah, but uh, he's got to support uh, the brand a little bit. I know. Yeah, we're gonna have to. I'm gonna. I'll talk to her about it. Yeah, so you get right on that. Also, Dan, uh, over the past couple of seasons, we've been presented with several short treks. Seems to be an ever-growing library, and now we can add them to our ever-growing library. Yes, uh, we sure can, man. Um, even if you don't have CBS All Access to watch all the new Star Trek, uh, you can soon add a new DVD to your collection because CBS has announced that on June 2nd of 2020, Star Trek Short Treks will be available on Blu-ray and DVD. You can pre-order it right now over at Amazon.com. But keep this in mind, all of the Short Treks except Children of Mars will be included in this disc. So I guess they want to keep that for a possible release of Star Trek Picard on DVD and Blu-ray, but uh, we have no confirmation that that's the reason. Um, in addition to the short treks included, of course, as with a lot of these uh, DVD releases, there's going to be a whole bunch of bonus features included. Uh, I got to say, though, man, I am a little disappointed that Children of Mars isn't included. It is a short trek, so in my humble opinion, I think it should be there, but I'm not going to put up a fuss about it. Uh, it means it's not like I won't have it eventually on DVD somewhere because when it comes out on whatever it does, I'll be giving my quat loose to pick it up. Uh, same here. I agree with you. I, I think it's kind of ridiculous that it's not on there. Uh, you're probably right. I think they're saving it for a Picard Blu-ray DVD release. Um, but it's, it's a short track. Why not put all of the short tracks in the DVD? Um, put it on both things. Yeah. You know, if you want to, yeah, that's great. But I, I think it's, I think it's absurd. Uh, I don't understand why these decisions happen like this, but mine is not to understand. Well, yeah, it, you know, it, they could put a spoiler in front of it, uh, a whole bunch of different things that they could do, so that if people who haven't watched Picard yet don't want to know anything about it, don't have to watch it. Well, but really, it's tangential at best. That's true. You know, it doesn't really give anything away about the series, right? Um, it just it fills in the events of one particular day for two characters we'll never see again. Mm -hmm. um, that is kind of earth shattering or Mars shattering. Mars shattering case, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I like how you did there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So I don't, I don't know. Well, we'll see. Anyway, no. moving on. And finally, Dan, as the entire world deals with the ongoing coronavirus crisis, we here at Trek Geeks are heeding the advice of our health professionals. Yeah, absolutely. Um, these are certainly interesting times we live in, and uh, the most important thing is that all of our listeners and their families stay safe and healthy. So to that end, we have made the decision to postpone our upcoming Trek Geeks Live presentation at the Bank of New Hampshire stage in Concord, New Hampshire. The original date of April 26 was within the recommended time frame for not holding events greater than 50 people, which, as we record, has been dropped down to 10 people. So it makes even more sense. Uh, Bill and I discussed this, uh, and the event will now be held on Saturday, October 25th, 2020 at 8 p.m. Uh, that's Sunday, October 25th, 2020. 
Sunday. Yes. Uh, yes. It's funny because I mistyped the word before. And uh, it still screwed it up. So, yes, yeah, Sunday, October 25th. Uh, for those of you who have already purchased a ticket, it will still be valid in October. Ticket holders will have the option to keep their tickets, convert them to a CCA gift card for future use, and that's the Capital Center for the Arts. Uh, or you can donate the cost of the ticket to uh, the CCA, which is a nonprofit organization. You can also get a full refund. Uh, everyone who has tickets will get an email explaining all of these options, or you can uh, check the uh, Bank of New Hampshire Stage website. Of course, proceeds from the event will still be going to benefit Granite State Dog Recovery, and they're all volunteer efforts, and anyone who'd like to donate to the organization directly can do so by their PayPal link at granitestatedogrecovery.com. Now, obviously, this was a very difficult decision to make, but as we stated earlier, the health of all our friends, families, the workers at the Bank of New Hampshire Stage, and anyone else who may be involved is of paramount importance to us, so it was the right thing to do, I think, man. No, I agree with you. It's as much as we wanted to do this in April, it made sense to delay it. Um, it just so happens that it winds up being six months later, and that's that's perfectly fine by us. We're still excited to do our first ever live show, um, and uh, we we really think it's going to be a fun night. So as life starts to return to normal at some point, we hope to see as many of you out there as possible. And if not, we hope you'll um, we hope you'll consider taking a look at Granite State Dog Recovery and maybe helping to support such a wonderful organization. Well, Dan, of course, we are always incredibly proud and honored to have Fansets as our presenting sponsor here on the Trek Geeks Network. We know that there are a lot of people all over the world right now trying to stay safe from the coronavirus and COVID-19, and many people are having to stay home pretty much all of the time, and we definitely want every single person to stay safe. While you're at home listening to all the shows here on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network and surfing the web, looking for something to do, why not head on over to fansets.com and take a look at all the awesome pins they have to offer. Wow, dude, for once, you know, you come up with an awesome idea. Congratulations. That's that's fantastic. Thanks. I wrote it just like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah yes, a- absolutely. Fansets is the place to go, not only during a coronavirus outbreak, but hey, anytime you want to feast your eyes on some amazing products, you know, Star Trek, Harry Potter, the DC Universe, the Big Bang Theory, Erwin Allen, just to name a few, and coming soon, stuff like Batman 66, Scooby-Doo, and the Horrorverse. The list just goes on and on. And right now, you can check out the newest Star Trek releases like Travis Mayweather. And I saw this today for the very first time, Commander Nan from Star Trek Discovery. They're both available right now, right this second at fansets.com. And coming soon, Bill, uh, we've talked about this a whole lot here on the show. The Starfleet Visitor Pin and the Star Trek Picard Deltas will be available. And they are still available for pre-order if you're interested. Now, before you say anything else, I'm going to stop you. Because right in my hot little hand, I have a very new announcement from the guys at Fansets, which came in just before we started recording today. Oh, well, yes. what does it say? Well, they wanted to let everyone know here that in addition to the um, the Deltas uh, from Picard, the Gradient Badge from the Borg Cube, as well as the Lusterena pin, are going to be available for pre-sale very soon. That is very, very awesome. Also, the cast uh, of Picard pins are all in for approval at CBS, so we can look forward to those very soon, uh, including, oh, maybe, maybe Laris and Joanne, just saying. Don't worry that, that. You didn't hear that from me. Uh, I'm just saying it. 
which makes no sense whatsoever. Also, you can get up the the very soon the episodic pins for Discovery Season 2, Episode 12 through 14 are going to be available, as well as, oh, the first four episode pins for Star Trek Picard, maybe? Dude, they got so much stuff going on. I, we don't even have enough time in the show to talk about it all. I'm out of here. I'm going to go order some pins. Goodbye. <laughs> I mean, that that is amazing. The fact that you got that update like just moments ago is incredible. I'm surprised you were able to tell us all that without screwing it up. Well done. There's hope for you, little as it may be. Two for two. I know. For now. <laughs> for now. Give it time. So yeah, head on over to fansets.com, put a whole bunch of stuff into your cart, including all that new stuff Dan was just talking about. And then at checkout, enter the exclusive discount code LIZARDBABIES. That's right. L-I-Z-A-R-D. B-A-B-I-E-S in all capital letters with no spaces. That code's going to get you 15% off everything you get at fansets.com. Now, this bonus code is going to be available until Wednesday, March 25th, 2020 at midnight Eastern Daylight Time. Lizard babies. Lizard babies. Pretty awesome. Fansets. Our pins have character, and we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of Trek Geeks. Dan, we draw nigh on this planet of human lizards i guess to talk about the uh a new feature we're sort of introducing here on the show every now and then something we're calling embracing the suck and to <laughs> please don't do that okay <laughs> and to uh, kick this off uh, we're going to look at probably one of the most disliked episodes of star trek voyager now embracing the suck is really all about taking something that you don't like and finding a way or a reason to love it mm. Um, it's just sort of taking it and making it your own. And, and that's kind of what we're going to do today with Threshold, something you kind of inspired when you decided to watch Move Along Home. Right. Uh, your idea to do that. I had, I had never had good things to say about Move Along Home, and, and, and you gave it a see it uh, when we uh, did that season of Deep Space Nine, and you challenged me to watch it with an open mind and see if I could appreciate it more. And I really, really did. Um, it's now one that I don't mind watching, and if it's on BBC America or, or whatever, I'll, I'll watch it. Second chat, baby. Let's do it. Uh, so, so yeah. So here we are doing it now with, uh, as you said, one of the least popular uh, episodes of Voyager. Um, not the worst, uh, but certainly not one of the best. So we both looked at it with uh, with open eyes, so to speak. Recently, I gave it a see it uh, for reasons which have been questioned here on this very podcast. But that's neither here nor there. Um, and I'm interested in. This discussion to see how you feel about it, looking at it with uh, with new young visionary looks of of happiness and passion. Well, let's uh, let's put the cat in the bag, as Dan Davidson would say. <laughs> and uh, I'm just, I'm just going to spill how I feel about this episode right now. And if I had to do it over again, I would give this episode a see it. There you go. Um, <laughs> for a variety of reasons. One, there are some really great scenes in this episode. Um, and a lot of them are between Janeway and Paris. Um, that scene where he's in his quarters and she comes and says, look, Harry is going to be the test pilot. Mm-hmm. He just leaves it all out on the table. And you get the most emotion that you've really ever gotten from from Robbie Duncan McNeil in this show. And he just lets himself be incredibly vulnerable. And Janeway respects that. Um, that scene alone for me is worth, is worth watching this episode. However, there 
there's a really decent story here. And I think that's the thing I appreciate the most. There really is. I think what a lot of people get tripped up on is the whole fact of the lizards at the end. And they have lizard babies, which we love to make fun of and talk about all the time. But the story behind this is really, really great. When you sit and think about what's going on in the episode, they're actually trying to to cross the warp 10 threshold, which actually, if I'm not mistaken, is a great callback to one of the best Star Trek novels ever written called Vendetta, which is about the Borg and the Doomsday Machine and um, the alien that's trying to defeat the Borg with the Doomsday Machine. Brilliant novel by Peter David. It actually talks about warp 10 a lot in that novel. Um, it really, it really is great. And, and if you take away the, the goofiness of the lizards at the end, and think about what happens when you re- reach warp 10 and you're basically everywhere in the universe at the same time. This whole evolved or, or sped up evolution of the human race, it's kind of a cool way to look at, at what could happen if something like that were ever take place with this warp 10 threshold. I thought it was an interesting element to add to this series that they would explore that sort of trans warp theory this early in the show. Uh, I would have thought and of course, incorrectly now because they did it in season two, I would have thought they would have saved this for later in the run. Say, look, we've been at this a while. We're just looking to get home. Let's put all ideas on the table. And Tom Paris says, let's try to do warp 10. But I, I think I li- in hindsight, I kind of like where this episode falls and what this means for the development of Paris as a character. I, I, I haven't loved Paris as a character. I have to you know, be candid about that because I, I get tired of the smarm that, mm-hmm. that Paris has. But this episode was just such a refreshing change that I, I really came to respect him a lot more because you learn what's important to Paris and you learn how he feels like he's failed literally everybody in his life. Oh, yeah. He definitely... You can, you can see that really strongly in this episode about all the things that he wishes he had done and the things that he'd like his, to say to his father. Uh, yeah, it, it's 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 an episode that we get to see a Tom Paris that we didn't know and weren't familiar with before. Unfortunately, I think it's safe to say we really don't see this Tom Paris very much, if at all, again. Um, you said it's one of the best Tom Paris episodes, and I I, I have to agree with that because he he really like just in that not just in that one scene with Janeway but in the pretty much the whole episode he really lets it all out on the table and and it's a shame that we really don't get to see that um that complexity and that level of of dedication and emotion in the character later on no i have to agree with you i uh, there are things here that i think we we maintain about paris throughout the rest of the series just not to the um, not to the degree that we do in Threshold. Mm-hmm. You know, we get a sense that he would do anything for the people on this ship well after this. Yeah. Um, but I I think that this, I wish there were more Paris episodes like this. Let's yeah. put it that way. Yeah. Because I think he would have been a far more sympathetic character to me. Uh, and I'm sure I can't be alone in that regard. Yeah. Um, I, I think it would have gone a long way for this character to f- seem far more... Uh, human than he was necessarily just sarcastic all the time. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. There are other awesome 
Tom Paris episodes. The Captain Proton episodes are fantastic, but that's not looking at the depth of the character of Tom Paris. That's the depth of the hologram, uh, holodeck adventures of Captain Proton, which just happened to be Tom Paris. So there's there's a vast distinction there, I think, because um, I do love those. Ca- I do love me some Captain Proton, man. Um, <laughs> so I, I do have one question about this whole Warp 10 threshold thing. So during the episode in the holodeck, and then again uh, later on when they're doing it for real, um, they're getting up to the speed, which is, you know, it's like ludicrous speed um, in, in space balls. And <laughs> so they hit warp 10, and they're basically everywhere at once. But they have to get up to 9.5 and 9.7, 9.9, 9.995. And later on in the episode, Voyager is following the shuttlecraft at a pretty good clip. 9.7, I think, is where they, they peak out, maybe 9.5. That's still pretty quick. Why don't they just stay at 9.5 as long as they can, slow down, recharge, and then go to 9.5 again so they can get home fast? They never seem to do that throughout the entire series. I think it was about making the uh, deuterium supply last. Dilithium? Uh, no, I mean deuterium, the thing that fuels the warp engines. Interesting. Um, because it's kind of like a gas tank, right? If you speed everywhere, you're going to run out of gas faster, whereas if you maintain a consistent speed you're going to use your fuel a lot more sensibly. Okay. All right. I can I can live with that. The other thing that I also found was interesting with this and we've seen it in other episodes from time to time. They're, you know, they're explorers. So on their way home, they're going to explore. They're going to, you know, introduce themselves to the to the people in the squadron. And then other episodes, they're just trying to get home as fast as they can. They go back and forth from taking it slow to let's see how fast we can get home to taking it slow again. And it's just a little bit inconsistent, but at the same time, it wouldn't be seven seasons if they just tried to get home real quick. And we wouldn't have seen great aliens like, oh, I don't know, the Kazon. <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't mind the Kazon. <laughs> I know um, you don't. <laughs> uh, they're essentially, you know, uh, a street gang in space. You know, it's uh, if you ever watch The Shield, it's like having the, you know, the one-niners and the Los Mags in, in space. Um, but, uh, you know, I do have to say, one of the elements I like about this episode is the fact that Jonas is just dropping dimes on everything that's going on in Voyager to the Kazon. <laughs> yes. It's like, hey, the Warp 10 experiment, <laughs> I don't know if it's going as well as they thought. Um, as if the Kazon have some kind of vast knowledge of the universe that might be able to make Warp 10 yeah, work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's your favorite line in this episode? <laughs> I think all of my favorite lines come from the doctor. <laughs> um, yep. Especially when, you know, Paris has just finished his, his warp 10 test flight. He's lying in sick bay. <laughs> doctor says he's essentially asleep. And Janeway goes, can you wake him up? He goes, sure. And kneels down and he yells in Paris is your wake up lieutenant. That That's, is probably my favorite line in the whole show. That is show. the best line of the whole episode. The way he does it, just perfect Bob Picardo as the doctor. That is my favorite line of the whole episode. So we agree on that. That's pretty cool. And Picardo just has the best deadpan, (laughs) especially at this point in the series, because as the doctor grows, he becomes a lot more human in in his qualities. But at this, he's still just really annoyed by everybody. (laughs) And just the very white or black situation is like, oh, he's asleep. I'm going to wake him up. (laughs) The way he does it is just great. This is absolutely if, great. If you ever do that to me in Vegas, I will kill you. Well, see, I never really thought of that until now, so you can pretty much guarantee it's going to happen at this point. Sorry, great. your own fault. Unless <laughs> we do it to Mumphrey. Oh, yeah. We, let's not tell him. He doesn't listen to the show anyway. He doesn't listen anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like you in that regard. Uh, oh. Uh, oh. Wow. oh. Now, Gosh. can you believe, um, as I 
as I look at memory alpha, as I'm often want to do when we talk about these episodes, Threshold was actually the third most watched episode of Voyager's second season on first airing. Uh, isn't, isn't that kind of remarkable? That is extremely remarkable. And it's at the midpoint, of, or, or just after the midpoint of the season, I mean. So it's like, what, episode 15? Um, I was really stunned by that when I read it. Um, the other thing that stuns me is that this episode is so unpopular. And I, I, I don't know if it's truly because of the lizard babies or because people expected more. I think there's a really high concept here. And I just, I don't know if it's fleshed out as well. And that's why people don't like it or if they just expected something different. Well, let me ask you this, uh, talking about not fleshed out as well. Do you think that the writers might've made a little bit of a mistake in what they called this? They call it trans, uh, the, the warp tent, trans warp. They're using trans warp. So they're using it to get to warp 10. Transwarp was like a big thing with the Excelsior uh, in the movies. And it seems to me, is there a difference between warp and transwarp? And what is that difference? And they don't talk about any difference in warp versus transwarp until they get to these higher speeds. But we never heard that before. It seems to be a confusing thing to me. And and as somebody who loves Trek as much as I do, having a confusing point like that, it's got to be kind of confusing for everybody. I kind of look at Transwarp in the TOS movies or in, in Star Trek 3, which is really the only place we saw it, um, as kind of its own thing. I think they tried to create a drive faster than warp drive and decided to call it Transwarp. Much like the sort of the warp speed factor is different in TOS than it is in TNG and going forward. Because okay. um, we, we do also hear about Transwarp hubs, but I don't know if there's any similarity as to what the whole trans warp is, or if it's just another term they decided to use. Well, I think that I assume you're talking about the Borg, the Borg yes. trans warp hubs. Yep. Um, I think that that's the Borgs having conquered the ability to go trans warp instead of making it, uh, giving the ship the ability to go trans warp. They create these conduits that allow you to just travel faster. Just bring a lot of steel. <laughs> now, now, Dan. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, they're not wrong in their excitement of this. I mean, you know, Janeway has a, a reaction in, in engineering. It's like, this could fundamentally change mm-hmm. the, the way we look at, at the galaxy. And she's not wrong. Right. I like, I like one of the quotes that she uses when talking to Tom. Uh, saying that if this works, she'll be joining an, he'll be joining an elite group of pilots, Orville Wright, Neil Armstrong, and Zephram Cochran. So to include real characters with the fictional Zephram, I thought was really cool. I would have liked to seen, you know, like a Chuck Yeager thrown in there. That would have been an extra wow. Um, but I thought that was a pretty cool line to show the, the, the level of importance that this test was going to be. And it turned out to be a successful test, but a failed test at the same time, which was kind of sad. Uh, no, I agree with you hundred percent. The only name I wish they had thrown in there also was Chuck Yeager. Yeah. Um, yep. Because Tom Paris was essentially being a test pilot. Exactly. Yep. Um, uh, I mean, there's the nerd in me wanted them to throw in Colonel Steve Austin, but. Um, well, he was an astronaut who was barely alive, but they rebuilt him. <laughs> they they had the technology. They did. Yes, they absolutely did. Yep. <laughs> they could make the world's first bionic man. Wow. Maybe better than he was before. His first Borg. Better. Mm. Stronger. Yeah. What else? faster (laughs) (laughs) wow we're getting off way off point (laughs) so if you can believe that um this episode i think is is probably 
growing on some people mm-hmm. over the years. However, in 2009 at a Star Trek convention, Kate Mulgrew, none other than the captain herself, remarked to the audience that Threshold was the episode of Voyager she was the most uncomfortable with. Noting that she didn't like the thought of mating with Paris as a lizard. So let's unpack this. Um, <laughs> the whole lizard thing. Yes. Um, because it's it's really where the episode goes wrong for me. I'm okay with the science. I'm okay with the mutation. Yeah. I'm okay with, you know, Paris evolving into something different. But this whole notion that, um, one... Uh, he and mutated Janeway got together and had lizard babies that we then left on a planet. Yeah. In clear violation of the prime directive, Mm -hmm. altering the evolution of that world, whether it had, you know, some kind of, well, all planets have life. It's just that this one happens to now have new lizard life, Mm -hmm. uh, based on human DNA. Right. Um, that really is the element of this episode. I had the hugest problem with and nobody on the ship seemed to have a problem with it, including Janeway when she was brought back to human form, who was such a proponent of the Prime Directive when she needs to be. Um, t- nothing was ever said. They never talk about what happened. You know, we never find out. You know, probably because they're in in the uh, in the Delta Quadrant. But um, it's it is amazing that it was just such a you know. Ah, we're just gonna. We're, I, I decided to leave the babies there, but we got who we wanted, so let's go and not worry about what happens. Well, but Chakotay left the babies there. That's what, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. He's just like, yeah, I just, I made the decision to leave them there. It's like, what? Huh? Yeah, that was, that was bad. I, I think that that really is the most un-Star Trek element of this entire episode. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, for years, that's where it went wrong for me. I remember watching this the first time. I'm like, they did what? Yeah. Uh, because it just, it, it doesn't fit. Now, I get why they couldn't turn the, the lizard babies into something else, maybe revert them back into human form, um, because they started off as lizards. Got it. A throwaway line of dialogue probably would have fixed that for me, at, at least in my mind. But I, I, I don't understand why they didn't just take the lizards with them. So let me ask you this, because now that I'm thinking about it, I'm, I'm second-guessing myself. Is it the prime directive or first contract? For, first contract. I'm going to sign your contract. First contact <laughs> protocol that says that they cannot um, get involved with pre-warp civilizations. Well, I don't, the pre-warp comes and goes from the prime directive okay. as the writers see fit. Yeah, okay. Um, however... We're talking about altering the evolution of a planet, which clearly is the prime directive. Yeah. Okay. Um, We don't know what kind of life that planet had on it. Even insect life? Mm Mm-hmm. Or even, let's say, uh, some kind of of land-roaming reptile that could become a predator to that species. We've altered the the destiny of that planet by introducing a brand new life form. Just think about it. One of the lizards could have eaten a bug that if the lizards weren't there, would have gone on to bite one of the, you know, Neanderthal-type humanoids that might evolve on that planet at some point, which created a whole new strain of some kind of a virus that helped evol- the whole thing just go out of whack. It's the butterfly what effect. What if because of introducing these lizards to that that planet, it at some point develops a humanoid population, which it was never meant to do? Sure. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's uh, that's probably, for me, what sticks in my mind the most. Um, I, now granted, you know, in hindsight, it, right now it's more of an annoyance. Mm-hmm. I'm like, come on guys, really? Um, I get that Brandon Braga has taken a lot of heat 
from this episode over the years. You know, uh, I, I think his quote is like, look, I've, uh, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing this because I, I know I don't, I'm not going to get it right off the top of my head, even though I lost where it was on the page I'm looking at. But it's like, you know, I've written a hundred episodes of Star Trek, you know, and this is the one people remember uh, because it's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> even he thinks it's terrible. And I, I guess I would submit to him at this point, it, it's really not terrible. Um, it really just had one big problem. Yeah, there are aspects of it that are terrible, but when you when you look at it and take it from start to finish with and and concentrate on the story and what they're trying to do and what they accomplish, it actually is a pretty good story. Uh, and and it's it's nice to see um, the Paris that that we've all wanted to see. Speaking of Paris that we want to see, I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent. Yeah, can we talk makeup in this episode? The kinda Emmy award-winning makeup, kind of gross, but awesome at the same time. Yes, it is, it is amazing the transformations that Paris uh, goes through in this episode, and the makeup is phenomenal. I don't get skeeved out easily. Um, <laughs> I can watch plenty of blood, plenty of gore. Um, it doesn't bother me. But when Paris pulls out his tongue in this episode, I'm Yum. like, you. That is a wonderful scene. Oh, it sends chills right up and down my spine. But this episode beat out the Visitor for the Emmy Award for Best Makeup. Right, right. So this is an, an Emmy Award winning episode. <laughs> I don't know if I agree with it beating out. Uh, I, I, I kind of do. The makeup, I, I guess it's, it's, it's basically all on, on uh, Robbie Duncan McNeil's makeup because really nobody else that we don't see in makeup has makeup on in this episode and he kills it. I guess you could look at it that way also with Tony Todd. He just has the aged makeup on and, and, um, uh, in, in the visitor, and then again, the visitor makeup, the old Jed Z and old Bashir is really horrible. Um, so maybe that's that that came into play also. But old Tony Todd was was Great. fantastic, absolutely um, fantastic. Mainly because Tony sold it, right? Um, I, I have to agree with you that the makeup on Robbie Duncan McNeil in this episode it literally is is amazing. At the time, it's like nothing we've ever seen in Star Trek before. You believe that he's turning into a lizard. Um, And plus, speaking of the way it's acted with Tony Todd, the way that McNeil acts this um, is even more believable. You know, he could have just sat there talking like normal Tom Paris turning into a lizard and going, but hey, I need to get out of here. Um, (laughs) And and I wouldn't have bought it. Tongueless. and that's really the thing that that I have to believe added to his performance, you know, much like uh, much like a mask, you yeah. know, in, in Shakespearean days. Uh, it really, I think, solidified what he was trying to do in this episode. So let me ask you, I'm going to get back to the makeup thing in just a second, but you were talking about the tongue scene. And I just got to ask you this. Was that scene, the, do you get all squeamish or skeevy or however you put it a minute ago, because of the look of him pulling out the tongue or with me the sound of him pulling out his tongue i think it's a little of of column a and a little column b yeah i think if i were watching it on mute it might not bother me but the Mm -hmm. sound really just sells it so there's there's great sound editing in this in this episode too i um it's incredibly believable and i think that's the thing to take away Mm -hmm. so here we have a really great problem for the Voyager crew to solve. We have a great scientific construct in, you know, the, the theory of, of infinite velocity. We have a, a great story about somebody achieving it and then it going horribly wrong. We have a great story about human transformation into another spe- another species. There are really so many things to love about this episode. Yeah. It, it really is amazing. As I said, we went into this with open eyes, 
as we were preparing to to talk about it for this episode of the podcast. And when you do that and you don't listen to all the things that have been said over the years and that we have said over the years about it, it really is it really is a fun episode to watch. If you can get over that whole uh, uh, lizard baby thing and dare I say CGI lizard baby thing, um, which I thought was a little odd, um, then it, it really is interesting and and I I really enjoyed it. I gotta say I I I, I found myself saying wow I am really enjoying this and I, when I was watching it this past weekend. I, I have to agree with you to, to the point where I have to say I was wrong about this episode. Yeah. Um, first and foremost, I mean, we've talked a lot about Robert Duncan McNeil and his performance, but I don't think we can talk about this episode without mentioning Kate Mulgrew. Um, aside from the whole lizard baby thing, Janeway in this episode is exactly what you would want a starship captain to be. Mm-hmm. You know, she she's evaluated all the data. She's willing to, to take a chance with this. You know, she even says herself, she goes, you know, I thought this was a crazy idea as I paraphrase. Um, but here we are and, uh, it sounds like it's really going to happen. So let's, let's take a shot at this. You know, we, uh, the simulations are good. Apparently we got nothing to lose. Um, let's do it. Mm-hmm. And then when she decides that maybe there needs to be a change at the helm of, of the shuttle, um, I think she approaches it with really the manner and dignity, um, that I would hope she would approach Paris with. I like how, she questioned his motives also. Yeah. Yeah. She was like, you know, you, you, it sounds like you're making this about you when it should be about the science and about getting Voyager home. And, and I liked the way that she handled that, putting him on the spot and, and getting the answer that she got as a result of putting him on the spot really shows how great a captain she is and had become, um, since they were, um, uh, shot out into the into the Delta Quadrant, um, and and I think it I think it helps the relationship between Paris and and Janeway uh, going forward. Um, you know they they weren't always you know at the beginning they weren't on the best of terms. You know she didn't want to be called ma'am, so he kind of just does it on purpose. Um, but for him to to have the to have the cojones to stand up to her and really say how he felt in the manner in which he said it. I got to give him credit too. I I agree with you 100%. You know, I, I appreciated the decision in that scene to make him completely vulnerable mm-hmm. and to let him just emote and relate to Janeway as, as a human being. You know, people think this episode is about breaking warp 10 and it's really not. That's the, the conduit by which we get there, but it's really about learning to forgive yourself. You know, yeah. we've talked about that theme so many times yeah. uh, in episodes of Star Trek and in episodes of Voyager, quite frankly. Um, but ultimately, I mean, that forgiveness has to start somewhere and it has to start from within, you know, he's, he wants people to know that he made a difference. He wants people to know that, that, you know, he's a better person that he actually, you know, was part of something larger than himself. But I think the problem is he doesn't believe it himself. So I think he feels the need to have others, um, know about it. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And let me ask you on that note, when they're in sick bay and he's talking to Janeway and the doctor warns her that he's going to seem a little bit erratic at times and that he's not going to sound like himself. Do you think that some of those rage moments that we see from Paris are a result of what's happening to him or that they are just deep feelings of his own self-rage that he's dealt with? 
with and how he feels his life has been. And they just come out because he's, he's changing. I, I think he's projecting because he's changing. I think that those really are about him. Mm-hmm. But in his anger, he's lashing out at, at everything and everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and kudos to Janeway for having the sense to just walk away. Yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> I can remember my mom doing that with me as a kid <laughs> when I would get Bye. a little too uh, cranky and irritable and bratty. Um, not that that would ever have happened in my life. Um, oh, I know what to do. But his reaction and the way he says, you know, please come back. Yeah. I uh, was really reminded me of my own life because I, I, I can hear the tone of my voice saying that, no, please don't go. And then what's funny about that is he says that and she does come back and then doesn't he do it again? Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. He, and then he, he bangs into the force field. Yeah. Yeah. Lost a little bit of his flaky skin with his uh, two colored eyes. There's no tongue. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no tongue, Tom. No tongue, Tom. Hashtag. Uh, I, like, I like that. Hashtag no tongue, Tom. Um, <laughs> I, I I appreciate the the qualities they gave the life form he was transmuting into. Um, you know, at one point he, he begins to suffocate. You know, and, and the doctor figures out it's because he his lungs yeah. can't breathe oxygen anymore. Yeah. And I thought that was a really great quality to add. Um, and then he you know, creates a force field and then just pumps the room full of whatever he can breathe. It's like, well, damn. And that's one of the best things about having a hologram for a doctor because he can just walk in and out of the force yeah. field and just help and then leave and then help. I thought that was pretty cool. I liked that. And then it made me feel like Paris was living in a fishbowl. Yeah. You know, uh, here he was, unless they found a way to deal with this. And then the thing I don't get is that it seemed like he was able to go back to breathing air. Yes. Um, I, I wasn't sure why maybe it was to facilitate him being able to leave the ship um i i i got nothing and we got to see kess awkwardly hop from station to station like she really does that was that too it's funny while we're talking i'm looking through different things on memory alpha and and man it's funny that we're sitting here being people that panned the episode for so long and now we're praising it for some of the things that it does in the episode there's a lot of bad things said about this episode at Memory Alpha in the in the uh, in the there reception are. part of the uh, of the page. I mean, one out of five um, stars total gah, Somebody calls it. Um, it's it, it's been it has actually been rated the worst episode of Star Trek in general on some sites. Um, and I, I'm sorry, that's just not the case. Um, I can no. appreciate that people have their opinion. Everyone's favorite is someone's least favorite. Watch it again. And appreciate it for what it does. It's definitely not one of the worst. You know, it's interesting because you know Jerry Taylor, when uh, when when talking about this episode, as documented in an unofficial or unauthorized guide to to, to Star Trek, um, said, you know, we're taking a lot of flack for that. There's been a real lashing out. I recognize the people who are on the internet and who write us letters are a tiny portion of our audience. But when it's as overwhelming as it was on this episode, you begin to take notice. It's good to know that people bitching about things on the internet was taken just about as seriously as it is today, which is to say, not at all. None, nothing, not at all. Nope. Uh Uh-uh. They may notice, but uh, clearly, um, you know, that doesn't factor in a whole lot. Um, What to you is the, the best part of this episode? Um, you know, as you've watched this over the years, is there something you've come to appreciate more than another? Is there an aspect of this that, that you've grown to really appreciate or uh, how has your opinion on this episode evolved over time? 
It's evolved because I really listened to the story this time. I really can appreciate what they were trying to do, what they were trying to accomplish. And then the explanation. I think the thing that I always forgot about was, okay, this is ridiculous. They turn into lizards. What the freak is this all about? This is just (laughs) stupid. But then the whole, you know, humans evolved over billions of years. And what Paris is going through is continuing that evolution of millions of years in just a few hours. As far-fetched as that seems, at least that explanation is something that you can hold on to when trying to understand why things happened the way they did. And I appreciate that. Whereas before, I just didn't even think of it. I'm like, this is just dumb. Now it's it's not as dumb because even though it's science fiction, there is a science fiction explanation for what happened. Well, that's it. There are explanations in this episode, and we don't get those in some Star Trek episodes. Mm-hmm. The one thing we really don't get an explanation of is how the doctor was able to revert them back at the True. end. Yeah, it's, did, it's glossed he did, over. It, it, he mentions something very small yeah. um, about it, but but yeah, the, what they were doing in the in the engineering section when for some reason he was super lizard Tom and was able to break out of that giant steel trap that he was in and then phaser everybody off camera, including the camera, which I thought was very interesting. Um, but then they just use that. For, he quickly mentions that they're going to do the same thing when they get him back to the ship, and that's evidently what they do, but not a whole I, lot of detail. Yeah, I get it was the anti-proton treatments, but I mean, it was super, like a lot of Voyager episodes, you know, they cut out a chunk of time and said, we fixed this off camera. Yeah. Um, because Paris and Janeway are back to their human form. I think it would have been great to see them maybe in a state of uh, op- uh, reverse evolution. Yes, yeah. I, uh, I, rather I, than having it cleared up like that. I found it interesting that what saved them was the same type of energy that the Doomsday Machine had. Pure anti-proton. Absolutely pure. Sorry. I had to throw that in there. <laughs> Don't you think I know that? <laughs> I, I was going to do it, but I'm not going <laughs> to. You may as well finish the quote. There right was, here. but not anymore. <laughs> anyway. Something I wish would happen to Farkisms, but uh, Never. That's, that's not... Not gonna. Sorry to disappoint you. Not Happy gonna, to disappoint uh, you. <laughs> well, you've disappointed me pretty much every day um, <laughs> that we've known each other coming up on twenty five years. You know um, what? You know what's not disappointing, Bill? The your fact face? that they no, well, that's not disappointing at all. The fact that they made and and we know someone who's very dear to us. They made a action an an action figure of Lizard Tom Paris for this episode. They did an episode that is that is widely panned across the Star Trek universe is one of the worst. They made an action figure, and it's awesome. Emily showed it to us just recently, and it's fantastic. It's great. Uh, an action figure, she got it, Northeast Trekcon in exactly. Albany, New York, when we were there. Yeah. And I, I got to give credit to Emily, um, because uh, if it weren't for her, I probably would never have rewatched this episode. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And Emily, um, it's rare that I say this to anybody, but you were right. Yes. He usually says that about himself. So... Uh, so you usually am that, right. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But, uh, it, and, and I'll tell you what, looking at that action figure, it's pretty spot on. I mean, it's, I mean, look at our album cover for the episode this week. It looks just like the dude. It's pretty awesome. I, I that, that really does look creepy. Um, <laughs> whoa. whoa. <laughs> That's what I feel like he, the noise he would make. <laughs> I, I do wish there had been some, lasting repercussions or at least awkwardness between mm-hmm. Paris and Janeway after this. That's not, not serialized television. Not a lot. 
Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be uh, horribly uncomfortable. It doesn't have to be a plot point every week, Mm -hmm. but just some really sort of... I think that those two actors could have played the the slight level of, of uncomfortability necessary to say, oh, yeah, this happened. I guarantee you, in today's Star Trek world and the way things are written, if Voyager was being written now, I guarantee you that would be the case. But back then, with week to week, it really did become serialized television until later on in, in Voyager. So, yeah, just I, I'm not surprised they didn't. Well, I think Voyager in some sense was marginally well Voyager didn't develop amnesia the way other treks did. That's true. You know, there were actions they took at the beginning of the show that mattered toward the middle and end. You know, there were plot points that came back. Um those things I appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um this is just one of those minor character things that I wish they had just from time to time just made things a little awkward because yeah. I think one, there would have been value in that on the screen Two, I think that Mulgrew and, and McNeil would have played the hell out of it. And three, it could have been good for a laugh every now and then a little jealousy between uh, Catherine and Bellana would have been kind of funny. Now, I think an interesting element here is instead of having Paris uh, mate with Janeway in lizard form, I think it would have been more interesting if Kess had turned into a lizard and it would have created a further, uh, fracturing of that whole Neelix Paris cast relationship. I think that could have had some really long lasting impact. Um, uh, because uh, I don't know that, I don't know that the whole Janeway Paris thing fits for me uh, okay. as a viewer, as, as far as the storyline goes, I think that if they had introduced something a little more native to Paris, cause he always had an interesting cast, mm-hmm. you know, they, they had a closeness. That's I think true. that for me, that might've made a little more sense in the script, but now I'm just, now I'm intentionally trying to find things I, I might have changed. Well, that makes sense. I mean, I think we do that with pretty much all the episodes that we talk about. Um, I like your idea. Um, we could, you know, you could basically, if, if you had to, if we took every character in this series and tried to pair them with someone else in the series that it would have worked with this particular episode with the whole lizard baby thing. We could do a whole show on that. I, it absolutely would. Yeah. Um, I I really wish they'd kept the lizard babies on board. Tuvok and Neelix. <laughs> oh, how would that work? Well, they, you know, he owed Mr. Vulcan and he wanted him to dance and all that. Well, stuff. they kind of get together in a different way. <laughs> um, and then Janeway murders Tuvix. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. That I'm, took a turn. I'm not wrong. No, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, somebody in, in Camp Kittimer suggested that we needed to do a Tuvix episode, and, and they also are not wrong. At some point, I think we will this year. Yeah, I, I um, agree. Because there were a lot of questions there, um, not the least of which is, did Janeway murder Tuvix? Spoiler alert, yes, she murdered Tuvix. <laughs> um, but I, I, there's a lot to unpack in that episode. And I think is. it's it, it's I'm getting off topic here, but it's I think it's another one that is just exceptionally well done. I think we should definitely do that one. Oh, well, thank you. I'll, uh, write, I'll write it down. I'll run that past management. Okay, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, let me get Fark on the phone. Uh, stand what? <laughs> um, I, I guess one of the other things I wish they could have done in this episode, or at least use this episode as a springboard for, was to find or experiment with alternate ways to travel faster. Right. They do now, a couple we, we, things later down the road, but they uh, do. Yeah. 
they do, but and I can see why this would scare Paris off from from wanting to do that for a while. <laughs> hey, think? look, guys, I tried to get y'all home. I turned into a lizard. I'm not going there again. <laughs> but he could be like, well, maybe if we do something, I'll be able to hook up with Janeway again. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he could have hooked up with Balana sooner. I don't know. There you go. Um, I do say I really like the Neelix scene in uh, in the mess hall. <laughs> Um, where essentially Neelix, <laughs> Neelix inspires them somewhat unintentionally. Right. Um, and and I, it's kind of funny. I think it's written really well, that scene. But um, <laughs> Neelix is like, I have no idea what they just said. <laughs> it's kind of like when I talk to you on a daily and basis. Works, yeah. yeah. Hey, I know what I'm saying. You don't need to know. You just need to do what I tell you. And and we'll be good. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Um, this is another Voyager episode where some of the other characters don't have a lot right. to do, but I don't think the episode suffers from it. No, I don't think so either. I mean, there's I mean, we see everybody, which which is good. Uh, there are episodes of like Deep Space Nine. I, I can't think of the one at the top of my head right now, but we see a couple of people for like three seconds, and it's for no reason at all. Yeah. This episode, even though the, the couple of the characters may only be in one scene, it all works and it all fits together. It's not like anybody's out of place. No, I agree with that. Everybody's off doing their job. Right. Uh, except Jonas, who apparently, how did they not detect Jonas giving secrets to the Kazon? I, I don't, I don't know. I, anything that has to do with the Kazon, I don't, I just have a problem with. So well, this has more to do with like Federation technology. No, it's a Kazon. And- be quiet. <laughs> that's it we're gonna do uh, an embracing the suck episode on the Kazon and you're no, gonna find not. something to love about them I doubt it <laughs> um, because uh, the executive producer of the show kind of actually I do have one topics. thing that I'll talk about and that's Aaron What's... Aaron Eisenberg in it that's it other than that they'll suck <laughs> <laughs> well you're not a big Maj Kala fan <sighs> nope <laughs> Yeah, it's it's funny. Uh, we were talking earlier about great lines the doctor had, and there's another one. It's like, uh, it's possible that Mr. Paris represents a future stage in human development, although I can't say it's very attractive. And it, instantly, when I heard that line, I thought of you. <laughs> so I was, I'm like, where is he going with this? Yep, that's where he's going. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, too funny. Um, any other thoughts on Threshold, looking back, and uh, anything you wish they'd done differently, or, or other elements you think they could have added to the episode? I think the whole um, episode has a new level of appreciation for me. I would say, I, I don't think they really do need to change anything. Um, maybe a better, like you said, maybe a better explanation of how they reverted back to human form, I think would have been great. But I guess the only thing I would say was there's a lot of people out there that don't like this episode. The episode is now 20 plus years old or, or close to 20, however old it is. People, do what Bill has suggested that I do several times. Look at, watch it again and watch it with an open mind. And I can pretty much guarantee that you're going to have a better appreciation for it like we have. I, I couldn't agree more. Um I, I think that this is going to become a, a recurrent theme for us. You know, it's, we love watching Star Trek. We watch it, even though we may not necessarily love a particular episode. Mm-hmm. But even in the episodes that maybe I like the least, there is still something really great to love about them. Yeah. Um, I, I discovered that with some season seven next gen episodes on BBC America last week. Um, I was watching some of them. God, what's the one where they're on the train? Um, uh, the sucky train episode. Yeah. That's the one. Right. I, 
I hated that episode when it was first aired. I actually kind of dig it now. Oh, I'm going to have to watch it again because I still hate it. <laughs> uh, I don't love it. We should I do don't. that for the next Embracing the Suck or And the Children to That Lead. Oh, Ooh. that's going to be a tough one. That's that's a tall order to fill, man. <laughs> Let's, uh, at some point, we should do a commentary for And the Children Shall Lead, oh much God. like we did for Miri. Yes. Anybody who hasn't heard our Trek Geeks Theater episode where we do a commentary for Miri, um, our wives make a guest appearance yes, on that episode. Do. It's rather hilarious. It is. Um, but <laughs> we had a lot of fun doing that. We did. I think um, we did it twice, too. We had to because yeah. uh, I didn't get a word in the first time we recorded. <laughs> oh, that's not true. Come on. You yeah, were just very, riffing and true. riffing and I riffing. I was having a blast with that. And I'm like, dude. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what? What? So, yeah, we actually did it twice, and we used the second one for the episode. Yeah. I was too. I was. I was in the zone with the whole mystery science theater three thousand thing, and I just kept going. I didn't stop. Yeah, people like hearing my voice better than yours, anyway. Well, the first time through, you missed my Gary Busey line, and I think you died of laughter um, <laughs> when I actually got a chance to deliver it. So uh, every now and then, I come up with some good stuff. Just saying. Yeah, you do. I'll give you credit. Credits do. So, um, so I guess the official uh, verdict on Threshold from the Trek Geeks is. Um, this episode's a lot better than you think it is. Yes, I totally agree. And I'm glad that we do stuff like this so that we can get that better appreciation. If you said two years ago that we were going to do a show about this episode and that we were going to like it, I would have said you're effing crazy. And I really would have said that. Yeah. Um, and now to be able to say that, I feel pretty good that we enjoyed it. We both liked it. I'm so happy to hear because you didn't tell me what your thoughts were before we recorded. I'm so glad to hear that you appreciate it a lot more now. That's cool. Now, if only I could develop that same appreciation for you. <laughs> I'm sorry. What was that? Exactly. You realize I can just re- cut anything I want to that you say out of this podcast. There's no need to do that because then it wouldn't be real. It wouldn't be true. Yeah. Don't cross that threshold. Oh, you didn't. Oh, I did. Yeah, you didn't. I did. Sorry. There are no words for the level of hatred I have for you. <laughs> um, I, I could just say though, if you were a lizard, hmm. I would maroon you on a planet in a heartbeat. Actually, you know what? You don't have to be a lizard. Screw that. <laughs> I would maroon you. Period. My goodness gracious, where is this going? Wow. Uh, See, I'm glad that you feel that way because I would never do that to you because you're my friend and I care about you. But obviously, you don't care. I can't wait to... Uh, if people could only hear what you say when we're not recording. It's not recorded, so I don't think it happened. And of course, Dan, we want to thank the band Five Year Mission, our friends, our network co-hosts, if you will, because they mm. also have a podcast here on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network, for all of the music they provide, not just for Trek Geeks, but for you know all the shows on the network. We want everyone to head on out to fiveyearmission.net, download all their albums. Seriously, you're going to become a huge, huge fan. And um, I guess, did you realize that this weekend they're going to play an acoustic, uh, I think an acoustic set live online for I people? Know, I, I did know that. I, that's amazing. I, I had no idea. I did not know that. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think if you go to facebook.com slash five-year mission, you can get even, the number five-year mission, you can get even more details on that special concert they're going to do for people um, simply just to help uh, make life a little better while we're all uh, indoors. Yeah, help... Uh, it's, Help hold off the stir craziness. Yeah, definitely. Isn't that but a movie with Richard Pryor. Yes, and okay, uh, anyway, Gene Wilder. But anyway, fiveyearmission.net. Please download all their albums, get their podcast, and uh, tune in Saturday night because I'm sure it's going to be a great show. It is going to. How could it not be a great show? It's Five Year Mission, dude. Totally. So I'm going to try to do this one kind of like in a in that like that that voice of the of coming next week guy. Remember that guy? Two warring planets. 
a missing Federation musician. The Enterprise investigates and find that a renowned drummer has completely changed the evolution of a planet by following the path of Nazi Germany. How on Earth, or how on Ecos, <laughs> get it? Can they fix this obscene violation of the Prime Directive and stay alive at the same time? It's Patterns of Farks, next week on an all-new Star Trek. The Farkism virgins. Sorry. One, you, you're attempting to imitate Ernie Anderson, probably the greatest TV promo voiceover guy ever. I would never attempt to do that. You just did. No, it was him. T- it was. That's who you're trying to emulate. It was, actually. No, it was Don somebody. Uh, no, you, Don LaFontaine never did Star Trek. I know, but it, it doesn't mean I can try to do it like him. Like, yeah, when you got to next time on an all-new Star Trek. Yeah, that's Ernie Anderson. <laughs> Shut up. Um, then, um, the uh, uh, I, I mean, uh, patterns of farks? Yeah. We were just outside that building on the Paramount lot. That's why I did it. And now I can't think of that building the same way ever again. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, yeah, this is where Patterns of Farks were shot. That's right. Not. <laughs> that, <In it. laughs> that was. Uh, See, it's in your head now. You're welcome. <sighs> now I, I I wish they'd drug me like they drugged John Gill in that episode. <laughs> John. I, that's what I need after that. There you go. You're welcome. Yeah. Thank, thank you, buddy. Thank you. Of course, don't forget you can support the Trek Geeks Podcast Network by subscribing to exclusive bonus content via Patreon. You can check out our, t- our annual t-shirt and annual supporters pin designs for 2020 and even get raw, unedited audio of all of our podcasts along with some other fantastic perks, Dan. Fantastic perks. And uh, we want to take a moment right now, though, to thank our associate producers for Trek Geeks. We are so grateful for their support, and they include Adam Sanders, Brandon Everidge, Heather Sohn, John Krikorian, Rick Tatro, Trey Womack, Sean Lynn, Tim Robertson, Tim Serdar, Vikram Bhatt, Greg Rozier, Andy Fark, Kimberly Francis, Ron Robel, Brooke Horton, Christina Werther, Jim McMahon, Luke Burnham, Eric Sakian, Lisa Tomlinson, Jamie McGregor, and the gracious and wonderful Conrad Hutchins. Thank you, 3PO. Thank you. Of course, we want to thank our Trek Geeks producers for their support. They are... Ken Tripp, Casey Shafsky, Charlie Mulvey, Chris Trebuzio, Craig Ewing, Eric Extreme, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Lionel Marchand, Matt McGonigal, Mike Bovia, Patrick Escudero, Sean O'Halloran, Peter Craig, Ben Russett, Ken Bird, Jamie Rogers, David Hood, Rachel Delaney, and the lovely and talented Jess Fashon. You too can become a producer on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks today for all the details. Well, Dan, next week we kind of start week two of our coronavirus stay-at-home directive, if you will, to help reduce any possible spread of the virus. And we feel it might be a good opportunity to put together some ideas for folks. This is a great idea because I've only been working from home for two days and I'm already going nuts. So, yeah. so, so yeah, add to the fact that I have to sit and look at you and we record and you can imagine how antsy I really am. But anyway, yes, there is a lot of Trek to help pass the time. So we thought we could put together some themed ideas for Star Trek marathons. What are we going to suggest, man? Cardassian-a-thons? Romulan-a-thons? Time travel-a-thons? Well, tune in next week to get all our lists on Trek Geeks, the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. I'm looking forward to this. This should be fun. Um, Plus, it's all about watching Star Trek, so how could we go wrong? 
For more great Star Trek discussion, please check out the other member podcasts of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. So many to choose from. We got new Rewind. We got new Five-Year Mission. We got new Politrex. We got brand new Picard Live all over the place. Lots and lots of Star Trek talk. And of course, from all the news on all the Star Trek CEO, please visit our great friends at treknews.net. For now, this has been episode number 210 of the Trek Geeks Podcast. We do hope you all live long and prosper. Coconut-a-thons. That's what I'm writing down. Oh, please, no. No. I... No. No, I would rather have a Threshold-a-thon. <laughs> I just watch Threshold back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back. To back to back to back. That can be arranged. Eesh. Music for Trek Geeks is provided by Five Year Mission. They are writing one song for each episode of the original series. Download their music at fiveyearmission.net. Trek Geeks, a Star Trek podcast, is a production of Coconut Media Works, executive producer Bill Smith. For even more Star Trek discussion, check out Discovering Trek, a Star Trek Discovery Companion, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and discoveringtrek.com. Bing bong. Are we supposed to talk? I am. Social distancing. <laughs> do you have any idea what that means? No, no, I just meant, I don't know. Bing bong. It means that for the first time in my life, I get to stay the hell away from you. Wow, well, <laughs> we shouldn't be on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff for social distancing. Oh, that's social media distance. I'm sorry. Yeah, social I media distance. Confused. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, buddy. Hi, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. The funny thing is that you really think I think that way. Oh, I know you do. Oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know. I know you. Yeah, yeah. How 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 you handling the um, in house? Um, I I don't mind. I'm getting a little stir crazy after five straight days. Yeah. Um, because I worked from home on Friday, and yep. then I was pretty much home all weekend. Yep. Um, I have not really gone anywhere since I went to get my hair cut on Saturday, yeah. which was just really brief. Yep. Um, so I I am less concerned about getting sick. I am more concerned about idiots. Yes. Um, uh, people hoarding things and, mm-hmm. and making this whole real uncertain time a whole lot more uncertain for for a whole bunch of people, especially those who may all of a sudden not be working anymore, may have exactly. seen their hours cut. Yeah, um, because uh, everybody needs access to everything, and and that's not helping. Right, I agree. Um, be smart out there, people. Not that anybody in Trek Geeks Podcast Network and Universe would not be smart, because they're all smart people. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's just ridiculous to read all the things that are going on and the way people are acting. It's a lot of the things are just common sense, right? I I don't know about you, but I usually wash my hands anyway. Um, you know. Uh, I, I do, but stuff like that. It's just yeah. it's interesting because uh, I think as humans we take for granted how many times we touch our face in a given day. Right, right. <laughs> Dan just rubbed his hands all over his face. <laughs> it makes great podcast audio, um, uh, which is amazing because normally he's used to licking windows and doorknobs. So right, I'm but trying yeah. not to do that right now because I'm social distancing. Right. So yeah. today we're talking about threshold. Yes. yes. Speaking of, uh, of yeah, between the doorknobs and windows. Yeah, it may as well be. I mean, right. You see those lizard tongues? Well, well, he pulled one out of his head. Okay, I got to tell you, <laughs> I've seen this episode plenty of times before, and I am always skeeved out at that scene. <laughs> Parrish just sort of takes his tongue out, Blech. and then later on, where he's like, um, 
talking to the dark side. I had to talk to you. <laughs> I have to go. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I shouldn't have done that, huh, pal? <laughs> yeah. I can handle a whole lot of gore. I can handle a whole lot of blood. But when Paris starts pulling his tongue out, I'm like, oh. And he just looks up and kind of smiles. Yeah. With that t- tongueless smile of his. Oh, <laughs> getting the. Ugh. I'm just thinking the, about it. The heebie-jeebie part for me is that like his skin's all flaking off, and his head's got all kinds of peel strips on it and stuff like that. The, the double-colored eyes didn't even bother me, but the skin kind of flaking off was kind of the gross part for me. I didn't mind the tongue; I'll just fry it up. Oof. <laughs> Scenes where, like you know, uh, in in movies where like there's fingernails involved, Ew, that skews yeah. me out too. Yeah. But yeah, when he yanks out his tongue, I'm like, okay. Okay, I'm yes. done doing whatever I was doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, no more lunch for me. It's going to be fun to talk about, though. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Actually, I'm, I'm really surprised at um, how I've come around on this episode. It's not it's not awesome. I can't wait to hear your comments about it. It's, it's Let's be honest. It is not an awesome hour of Star Trek, but no. it is a whole lot better than people give it credit for. I, I agree. And that's why I gave it a see it last month. Or two months ago. You're such a suck up. Hey, I was ahead of the curve, man. I gave it a see it when we hadn't even talked about it yet. So there. And I even said the reason why I gave it a see it. It was because so many people don't like it and it's such a conversation piece. So, eh. Which is the lamest reason of all. It doesn't matter if it's You're like, oh, I'm people like talking about this. I'm going to call it a see it. You're an idiot. Wow. I said, and if I gave it a skip it, you would have said I was just following everybody and was a lemming. So Actually, I just no, I would I would have said that because I gave it a skip it. I would have called stupid. you as smart. I would have called you as smart as me. <laughs> oh, gee, I'm glad I can look up to that pillar. Wow, <laughs> you you become really bitter since you become a shut in. <laughs> Are you kidding? I'm with my wife and puppies. I'm so happy. And not right now. You're not. That's why you're bitter. Well, that's one with you. That's why they're all downstairs crying, wondering why I'm here with you. Those are tears of joy because you left the room. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! Remember the last outtake where we talked about I had been a essentially an insult comic at the age of sixteen. <laughs> yes, I'm using those skills right now, buddy. It hasn't gone away, that's for sure. And I'll give you credit, man. You are so quick at your retorts. Is that the right word? Yeah, sure. I'll go. Okay, uh, you're very quick at those. A lot of people are, and like my family, I'll do something, and they're like, so I win. But not you. I I was raised that there are two kinds of people, and that's because I was in a like I was in a large family. I'm the eighth of nine children, and uh, in my house there were two kinds of people: quick and hungry. Ah, um, and I kind of applied the same doctrine to um, <laughs> being a wise ass. So you were so you were quick, and as a result, you weren't hungry because you were quick, and everybody else was hungry because you ran in and took their food. So you're saying I'm a fat kid? No, I'm saying that you were just taking. So you're calling me food. fat. No, you could have been giving it to charity or something. I didn't say anything about you eating it. No, that's you definitely made the implication. So you, so you made the implication. Oh, no, 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 no. That's your own self, uh, you know, self worthlessness. Oh, so now you're that. now you're victim shaming. <laughs> See, you're quick, and I'm hungry. So there's a connection there. God, I would love a pizza right now. <laughs> oh wow. Okay, where's, so where's this gone? <laughs> so, you know, we, we don't want to get too heavy onto the into the uh, pandemic talk, but um, obviously, in a lot of states, bars and restaurants and and other taverns have closed to all but takeout only. Right. So, with that, what's the thing you'll miss the most until life returns to normal? 
I don't know. I really haven't thought about it. Um, I will say that we won't be going to Copper Door to have a martini. That's that's, that, that's my number one right there. That's oh good. Look at that. Um, but this month's special martini is nothing that I would even bother trying, so I'm not worried about it. I didn't see what it was. Carrot cake. Oh, I hate carrots. Yeah, so I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't be doing that one. But they do have that rocket, which I like, which is the espresso one. That's a good one. They're, the the rocket is fantastic. I love lemon drop martinis. Um, right. They make probably one of the smoothest ones I've had. Mm-hmm. Um, this booze hour brought to you by the Trek Geeks <laughs> Booze Network, premiering in 2040. Um, and anyone who heard the, white. <laughs> anyone who heard the Patreon audio knows what the Sports Network is going to exactly. Turn into. Um, so yeah, I think that's the thing the most because I mean I can order anything off their menu and pick it right. up. Yep. It's just I like I like date night. Yes. The one thing that I do like about it is I like to experiment with making my own new mar- types of martinis. Yeah. And as I've talked to you about recently, I've kind of perfected my lemon drops. So um, we can have those here anytime. I, I think I had one, uh, two or three of them during work today while I was, uh, you know, no, just kidding. <laughs> no, just kidding. This explains so much. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, but that, that is something that's the first thing that popped into my head was that I was going to say, um, going out and, and getting Thai, but we always do takeout for Thai anyway, and we can still do that. So. Yeah. yeah, the new place yeah. in Merrimack is phenomenal. So okay, so we live in in a small town in New Hampshire. It's kind of in between uh, Nashua and Manchester, the two largest cities in southern New Hampshire. And there's a restaurant called, and this is the name. I'm not making this up. A lot of Thai. A lot of Thai. That's where you go when you want a lot of Thai. Not a little, right? Not a, a megaton. No, you just want a lot of Thai. A lot of Thai. And it's that's fit. all I got. It's it's, it's good. Um, I'm. So hearing the name, I'm like, I don't know about this place. It's it's our go to place for Thai and Merrimack, and I'm not I'm not complaining about it. I I appreciate the fact that um, it, it is truth in advertising. They do have a lot of Thai food. <laughs> they do a lot of different things. Any any Thai place that has duck is a regular thing. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt anyway, and their duck is really good. So, so no, I, I know you're a big fan of duck. Yeah, Boba Fett. Where? <laughs> All right, Jerk, you um you ready to talk some uh, some lizard babies? Lizard babies. <laughs> They're so cute. What do you think their names are? Um Fragal, Testantia, and Verictomadius. I expect you to write all of those down and use them in a tweet after we release the episode. I only remember the last one. <laughs> it's a good thing there will be audio. Rick Demadius. <laughs> Wasn't he in the 300? <laughs> oh, man. Way to go, Leonidas. You ready? No, he's dying. I'm ready now. All right. <laughs>